reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City. It's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, Australian Open podcast. I am Ed McGrogan here with Steve Tigner in Melbourne and uh, first day of quarterfinal action just passed. There's a lot to chew on between uh, almost all the matches really had something of interest to offer. So, Steve, I'll, I'll actually give the, the floor to you. Where do you want to start with uh, this just-concluded day? Well, I guess we should start with um, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. That's obviously what what um, most people will be talking about. Both of those guys looked really good today in the quarterfinals in different ways. Um, Federer was... He played the day match against Juan Martín del Potro, pretty much probably the most dangerous quarterfinalist of all four. Um, and Federer was just in total control, turned it into a pretty um, one-sided, uneventful match, almost in the beginning. He came out on fire with a typical sort of Federer flurry at the beginning. Del Potro weathered that, but then Federer played a really good game. Um, to break him for the first set, Del Potro double faulted and sort of at set point seemed like the the um, wind went out of his sails uh, right then. He he was never really in the match. Federer controlled everything. Del Potro was missing. Um, Federer was doing a lot of different things with the ball, um, much much more variety than than Del Potro. Then the night match was Nadal and Burdich. That started out a little differently. Burdich I think was the better player. Through most of the first two sets, he was pretty sharp, jumping on Nadal's um, high-bouncing shots. Nadal wasn't playing poorly, but but I feel like Nadal really this match really helped raise Rafa's level. He had to he he sort of raised his level to above and beyond Burdich's, and by the end, I think that's some of the best tennis I've seen Rafa play. Um, I think it was probably better than anything we saw from him last year at all. Uh, so you know both. He, you know, he just sort of took control of the match and, and was hitting much bigger than, than even we're used to seeing from him. Uh, so yeah, that, both of them guys go into the semi, you know, pretty much primed, I think. Yeah, I was just going to ask, really. I mean, that kind of just begs the question about the semifinal. Um, you know, clearly Federer comes off the, the, the easier match. You know, you, we can talk about you know, whatever you want, really, the courts, the conditions, whatever, but it really doesn't, you know, I, I think when these two are going to be involved in the match, it really just, a lot of those elements don't really matter as much as, as kind of what you're feeling from, from both the two guys. Um, and they haven't played at a hard court slam for, you know, since they played here in Melbourne uh, three years ago now in the final. Um, and last year we're coming off of a couple of, uh, a couple different matches, Federer getting the last laugh, um, but in really, Unique circumstances, Nadal kind of running out the year indoors, but Nadal had him, you know, the previous two, and one of those is a French Open final. Um, it just, it's obviously pretty early, but is there any sort of uh, any thoughts you have on on how that might shape out between those two? Well, I guess maybe it depends on how much stock you put in that last match. Uh, Federer beat him badly, but like you said, that was indoors. Federer is typically much better at that tournament than Nadal is. Um, Nadal has obviously looked like a completely different player today than he did uh, two months ago. And, you know, different surface, different conditions, different level of tournament. I guess the only thing I would go with is, 
the history of these two guys just says Nadal, if you look at the record, will probably win. That's the only thing I would go on as, as far as their current form. I think it's you know pretty even. Yeah, and, and more specifically, I just read something that is kind of a clear fact, but you don't really realize is that Federer, the last time he has beaten Nadal at a Grand Slam was in Wimbledon in 2007, which seems like an eternity ago, considering what these two have done, what you know, how tennis has kind of shaped out over that time. Um, and Nadal's beat him, you know, on, at Wimbledon, at the French. Uh, French a couple times and here in Melbourne and and that might be the most telling of all that it's really you know it's really not a an issue of of you know Federer might have the advantage on hard or Nadal on clay it's just that you know Rafa over the years um, and and he used to be just on clay but really he's just taken over when it comes to these you know best of five where the stakes are at their highest against against Federer so yeah this you know his career record is 17 and 9 there's a lot of clay matches in there, but that's still 17 wins over Federer. That that affects both of their mentalities going into the match. And if you if you're thinking that Nadal might be tired, you know the last time they played in the final, he'd just come off that semifinal against Verdasco, and he came out and he was tired, but he still beat he still beat Federer. Um, and Nadal will have his day off tomorrow, so I don't. And that's a night match, uh, so I don't think that's um, you know I think they go in pretty evenly. F- Physically, I mean, fat pretty evenly, um, physically and, and match match wise. Yeah, well, we'll that will be Thursday night, like you said, um, Thursday morning here in the states. All all those all the semifinal and final matches are three thirty a.m. Um, on the East Coast here. So, just uh, remember that if you're watching um, for the women's, this was also a big part of today. It seems, like I said, like a long time ago at this point, um, but we had. Victoria Azarenka and Kim Kleisters going through, they'll meet in a semifinal. Um, and what they did was got by um, Rodwanska, that was Azarenka at the start, a very, um, not necessarily an up and down, I guess not an up and down match throughout the match, but uh, what happened was just after the first set breaker, which went to Azarenka, or Rodwanska, Azarenka really just kind of kind of ran with it after. And then um, Kleisters takes out Wozniacki, um, ensuring that her reign as number one is going to come to an end after this tournament. Um, so lots to chew on for those two matches as well for you know different reasons, winners and losers there. Yeah, it was a good match, important, possibly important match for Azarenka. She comes out, gets to a first set tiebreaker, and totally has a meltdown, loses seven zero multiple unforced errors and it looks like you know Red Wanska might sneak past her and as a rank it may not be it might not be her day you know she is the more aggressive player so the match is on her racket but then she steps back uh, instead of imploding comes out and wins a 6-0 second set she just sort of takes control of points makes it much easier on herself doesn't take a lot of risks but but um, but is just in control of the points and Radwanska really got down on herself. Azarenka won really with her return of serve. She she won. Uh, she broke Radwanska ten times, and Radwanska had a winning percentage on her second serve of twenty nine percent. So Azarenka was just dominating that part of the game. Radwanska's second serve is pretty weak. But even on the first serve, Azarenka won more than fifty percent of those uh, returning her first serve. So you know, big ground strikes, big returns from Azarenka. 
pretty important win, I think, from a mental standpoint from her. The other match, uh, Kleister's just, she has the right game for Wozniak. She overpowers her. Wozniak has never beaten her. Uh, Kim got nervous. She was up 6-3-5-2. Caroline made her play a lot of balls. Kim basically choked uh, all the way into the tiebreaker and then finally stepped up and, and hit some really good shots in the tiebreaker. One of the important shots, she said she, in the middle of the point, she decided she was going to hit a Nadal forehand, which she <laughs> did. She hit a really big inside-out forehand for a winner, and that basically clinched the, clinched the match for her. Uh, as far as Wozniacki goes, you know, a lot of people say that this is, might be good for her, get her out of number one, end all the questions of when she's going to win a Grand Slam and justify that. So um, that might help. Of course, her friend Radwanska said that Wozniacki won't be any different whether whatever she's ranked. But she meant that in a positive meant that in a positive way. But you know, maybe that's not such a good sign. But but I know I think it's probably overall will be good for her to 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 not have that question always being asked. Yes, it's it's I think a good thing for really anyone involved in tennis. That that's a jump the shark thing a long time ago. So um, that's the first day of quarterfinal action tonight. Um, Murray. Uh, Murray and Djokovic get theirs. Djokovic gets Federer. Murray gets Nishikori. On the women's side, it's Sharapova and Makarova. And Sarah Arani, surprise, semi or quarterfinalist, gets Petra Kvitova. So we'll be here tomorrow to talk about those, how those shook out. And uh, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 